If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity Blah. The Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. If these are, as I contend, interactions with powerful entities of hidden nature, they're running the experience. It's them that decide whether it's going to be fun or not. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we are going to be chatting with Dick Kahn a little bit later about his uh, book, DMT and My Occult Mind 2, and uh, his 600 plus DMT experiences. And uh, it's a fun chat. Uh, yeah, you should enjoy it. We're going to have uh, um, our friend from the Mushroom uh, Champignon Magique. Jeff, yeah. Jeff is going to is going to pop in for a bit and talk to us about his new online magic mushroom store, which is cool. Only good if you're in Canada, unfortunately. I know a bunch of you is like, fuck, but unfortunately it's only good for Canadians. And he was nice enough to send us a beautiful little care package. Maybe start some microdosing soon. Maybe tomorrow. Wow. Or maybe Sunday. Maybe next week. Saturday. Saturday. Wait, Saturday. Wait, a week. Why, wait a week from what? I don't know. Might wait till next weekend. Be ready. You and your waiting. Well, is that a bad thing, waiting? No, it's good. I wish I could have waited. Maybe I wouldn't be such an addict. <laughs> I might wait a week. I haven't decided yet. It's kind of uh, a little bit overwhelming thing. Start just eating, being on mushrooms all the time. <laughs> I guess it's not really like that. I mean, it's, but you know, it still seems like that yeah. in a sense. But I am, I want to, uh, I want to level out and I'm going to do some like uh, journaling this week where I'm at because I want to really uh, market. So I want to be doing like a weekly thing. Market. I, I oh, you want to, I want to like track, track it and see what kind of impact it has. And I'm just, I'm still kind of playing around with my, in my head of what that might look like, how it, cause I'm like, I just start taking, see if I feel different as no, I don't think it's going to be good idea, enough. You know, even I feel the, like even I gotta, the, I'm telling you, even the date, the lunar cycle, like start tracking all that stuff. You might as well. I mean, do like journal it. You know, this is the day, this is trying to figure out. Totally. Cause you go back and you look, when was that I did it and how long was it? Yeah. And then just like, I'm just trying to think of a way that I can, what I could, how I could write or what I could write that I'll be able to gauge if I'm getting an effect from it over, over weeks. And I guess the audience will help out with some of that. Maybe it'll be less less F-bombs. You people in my day-to-day life. Maybe my audio will all of a sudden get better. Doubt it. I thought maybe more attention to the editing process. Oh, no. There's not going to be any more more attention to my mic settings. I can't fix your raspy voice. You can't fix my (laughs) mouth noises? No, I can't. No, you can't? I can't. I mean, I think you need a new cord. We just, we never have any time. So next weekend we should plan some time. Yeah, I can stop at this music shop on the way home one day. Like a Saturday. Yeah. I just spend like eight hours in here with nothing to do but work on the studio. Yeah. We always come in here, 
record. I know that's the, the thing. I'm tired after. As it is, I'm all, all, you know, I'm in a rush again tonight. Yeah. It always seems to be something. Well, you're not in a rush. Don't say that. I'm not in a rush. I'm just pressed for time. I don't have time to start ripping the studio apart. Yeah. Well, that's always one of those things you never know how long it's going to take. That's it. I mean, that's why you need a whole day to you do want, it. You, you need can't a day. just start messing around with chords in the middle of a night, you know? No, because yeah. then, then there's a million different combinations back there, and it's yeah. just one thing leads to another. So, yeah, yeah. Decon, of course, I went back into the rabbit Yeah, I want to ask you about that. So your second time on DMT, this is, yeah, this is Yeah, good. I was a little cocky, I think. I got humbled. I went into it. I thought, you know, I was I was actually <laughs> feeling better about it. I was like, oh, yeah, I got, you know, I feel like I was still um, apprehensive, but I wasn't terrified like I was last time. Like last time I was fucking terrified about doing it. Even before doing it, I was like. Well, it's funny because I thought you said you were still going to be very scared. I was, but. I was also a little bit cocky about it. And it knocked you down and a couple pegs? it knocked pegs. me down a couple pegs. I was like, okay, bud, come on in. And then, uh, yeah, it was a little more intense. But how did that, how did that happen? It wasn't the actual, I don't know. It was just, I don't know. I don't know how any of it happened. No, but, you, but it, it was showing you some things minute, you need to work on, right? For a minute there, I forgot I even smoked any DMT, which didn't happen last time. So I was like, this time I was like, and I was like, whoa. What the fuck's going on? I kind of went back into the into the other realm for a minute where I seen that crazy sort of vortex book turned into a film reel thing with all the symbols on it. I don't even know what it was. It was kind of like that vortex max thing. Math thing. Because when we started looking at all those pictures on Randy's Instagram, it really started triggering some memories for me there of where I was. It's hard to remember. And then That's was, just for people. That's just an episode that hasn't come out yeah. yet. And then there was the word that I still don't remember. From the guy that I oh, don't it was really a profound word. Do you think you could? No, maybe... it was a word. No, it was a word not of our world. But why can't you? I couldn't understand. Why it, can't your sitter write that down? Thinking of trying to, I was. I remember thinking of trying to. Understand. I didn't didn't tell them. They were like, "You didn't say a fucking word this time." Wow. I was totally internal. It was like the only time I came out once, and I was like, "I'm okay, right?" And Jay's like, "You're okay. You're at my house. You smoke DMT. We're watching you." And, and it was like that was the trigger that I had smoked some DMT because I was just like, "Whoa, I was gone." gonzo this time more so than last time really yeah and the thing that was all well and good and i don't really remember but i feel like yeah i think dick con, a, i think dick con was pretty surprised at your dosage yeah, as your, a, first, yeah. your first go <laughs> so the second time was where i did more and then yeah that was probably part of it anyway it was pretty humbling and i felt like a bit of a life review more so than i did last time I really felt like uh, I had a life review that I didn't have last time. Last time I felt the death of the letting go and all that. And maybe it's because I've let go that I don't have all that shit piled up on me. That's like, okay, now let's get to work. Right. Because that's what it felt like. This time was more like, okay, well, first of all, you don't have a fucking clue what this world is like. So here you go. Really? And then after that, it was like, you think you've done a lot of work, but you, what about... And I don't even, again. You can't explain, can't explain how it showed how you what, what you need to work on. It didn't you just, show me. It just told me in my head. It's just like internally. This, I'm this, thinking this, and it. this? I'm thinking it as I'm so going So what's your it. feeling of it afterwards, like now? Like what are I some don't know. I still like, have some ego problems. Like yeah. maybe some of the stuff I do because it makes me feel. Smart or Smart or, yeah. Better than. It's intention. It's an intention than, problem. Yeah. yeah. I caught myself doing it the other day when I told when Cole not to swear in front of a kid. Like, why did I do that? Yeah. Make myself feel better than Cole. 
Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, yeah. So it becomes yeah. an intention and thing. It, and in a way, you, you, you couch it as joking or being a smart ass, but mm-hmm. maybe there's something deeper than that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Back to work. What else? I mean, what what else do you need to work on? I mean, if it, it sounded like there was a few things that told you. Oh, that. yeah. There's a few things that I don't think I'm ready to get into just oh, yet. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Some, yeah. I mean, it's, we're getting deeper. <laughs> we're getting deeper. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And uh, But at the same time, I feel great. And I feel like I have done a lot of work. I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel yeah. better now than I have in a long, long time. Yeah. That's good. You know? Um uh, but there's just more work to do. And I think that's part of the, part of it was just like, don't take your eye off the prize. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Awesome. Good for you, man. I'm good for a while. Yeah. Like a while. Until next week when you start microdosing shrooms. No. Yeah. That's different. No, yeah, nothing know, fucking know. compares to yeah. a DMT dose. Right? Yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. nothing fucking yeah. compares. And it's like, I've even got a friend of mine now that wants to go in. And I'm like, that's fine, man. I'll come over. I'm not going. Yeah. You're on your own. Yeah. I'll tell you about it beforehand and I'll babysit you, but I'm good for a while, man. Oh, I feel like I just got my paint stripped off or something. You know, I don't know what you could equate it to, but hmm. it's kind of like jumping on an airplane. See, like James likes to jump out of an airplane every day. I'm not a jump out of an airplane every day guy. I'm more like a once every couple of years guy. Like, I don't think... I'd be stoked to jump out of a plane again right after jumping out of a plane. You know what I mean? I don't know if that's a good analogy. Yeah, I would be. I think you would be. Well, you're you're an addict. Yeah, this is a problem. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm good. I think I'm gonna wait until well into the new year before I dabble in that uh, stuff again. But it was interesting. I I definitely felt like I got more messaging this time. But you're never gonna figure anything out other than yourself. Yeah. That's what. That's one thing I'm starting to take away. Is not the state of reality or the, the state of the universe? Oh, or, well, yeah, that's there just as being super thin. <laughs> you know, the scaffolding, the scaffolding is right there. If we could just like, yeah, if we okay. could just rip this, whatever open for just a bit, it's like right there. Yeah. Cause it's like one little hoot and all of a sudden it's like all the triangles in the, yeah. That's, yeah, I don't know what's going on back to the drawing board. Right on. I have my own quotes I'm going to start doing, though. Okay, good. Awesome. So we got some quotes. No, they're not quotes. I'm going to read pages from the Tao. Okay. Can I get in trouble for that? I think I can't because the Tao is written like thousands uh, of years ago. I don't ago. know. Is that like meditation? Well, I'm reading out of a book right now. Do you think uh, Do you think the Taoist copyrighted it? I don't know. Do you think, think Lao Tzu copyrighted it? I think I think I'm okay. You go ahead. Okay. You go first. This is from, this from our favorite quote book, The Octopus of Global Control by Charlie Robinson. And this is from the chapter, The Hypocrisy of Drug Classification. You might guess the you might guess the author of this quote. Last time I smoked that stuff, they found me on top of the Sears Tower trying to build a nest. Terrence McKenna. No. Nice try. Robin Williams. Character Jack Moniker from Club Paradise. How would I ever guess a movie character? I don't know. It's not you might. I don't watch a lot of movies. I do want to take the cards home tonight though, to play with. Uh, my turn? Yep. Or do you have one more? No, that's it. So, I mean, I might go back eventually and do the first seven, but it was eight today that 
made me think I wanted to start reading these on the show. Okay. Because what I'm doing, I'm on day eight of reading the- It's a daily, uh, it's a daily read? It's not supposed to be, but that's how- um, Somebody suggested you That's do it. how he suggested I do it, and that's how I could get to it. Yeah. Because I didn't want to rush through it, and I've got like three other books on the go right now. And then when I started, I really liked doing it this way. So today's is good because we had, we had a little bit of uh, drama in the chats this week. Oh, really? Today there was some more drama. Really? Today? Yeah. I actually posted the uh, video of me swinging into the lake to break the tension. Oh. Nice. That actually did a great job of completely railroading it. But yeah, there's some, you know, the politics are creeping in and I, I, yeah, I don't want to see it, but whatever. I mean, I also don't want to police it. So I want to let freedom reign. I know, I know. But I don't want it to turn into Facebook, yeah. where everyone's just fucking yelling at each other. Why was it? What was it getting like that? It, I mean, a I, little bit. I, I don't want back. to elaborate too much, and yeah. I don't want to pick sides. And yeah. I just want to say yeah. that you motherfuckers just need to get along. Yeah, that's it. Just let each other have their own opinions and all. Yeah, and don't exactly. take it personal. Nobody's don't, wrong. Just read the four agreements. Don't think. Don't take things. No, personal. no, that happened today. Be impeccable. That with happened word. today, and I wasn't. I got home after work, and I had, didn't read my towel this morning. So I read it when I got home from work. Yeah. And so this is, usually I start my day with this, which I wonder if, how it would have affected me differently. So I went and read this after seeing all the, the drama in the chats. Mm -hmm. And it's eight. The highest good is like water. Water gives life to 10,000 things and does not strive. It flows in places people reject, and so is like the Tao. In dwelling, be close to the land. In meditation, go deep in the heart. In dealing with others, be gentle and kind. In speech, be true. In ruling, be just. In business, be competent. In action, watch the timing. No fight, no blame. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Nice. That's, That's day eight. Appropriate. Tomorrow I'll do day nine. Yeah. And uh, I like to just sit with it. I'll read it a few times. Yeah, you got to study it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm just going to keep going through it. Go through it, go through it That's for good. a year. Yeah, that's good. That should get me through it, I think, three times or four times. Nice. Yeah, then maybe I'll start another one. Anyway, no more quotes for you? Nope, but I have an email, trip report. I've been saving for I don't have any something. jingles this week. Let's hear it. Okay, so here we go. It's a trip report. I've been saving up for a while. So I just became a supporter and started on the Black Budget shows. The first show really had me thinking on past psychedelic experiences I've had and some of the weirder ones I've had. Here's one. When I was in my early 20s, I lived in a house that I shared with a roommate who did a lot of LSD and would have lots of mushrooms and sheets of acid mailed to the house from various places. Transient hippie festy kids who would come and stay and crash on the couch and the floor, which I didn't mind because they would just give me free shit to get weird on, LOL. Well, there was this time that a dude stayed and was really deep into the Grateful Dead, or the Grateful Dead lore, and was just a full-time transient prankster, as it were. He offered me some fluff, as he called it, which was just torn off corner of a white sheet of acid. I had no idea the amount in micrograms and I had no idea if it was one, two or three or more hits of LSD. I was into whatever at the time. So I just ate it up <laughs> about 15 to 20 minutes. I start tripping hard, Ugh, faster than what a feeling. any time in the past. You can just feel it in your tummy, Ugh. your tummy and your body. Well, you can feel that acid creeping up <clears throat> on you, man. It's not a good feeling. 
the grin start, the permagrin starts. And then it gets good for a while. Like the beginning acid is funner than where it ends up sometimes. I would normally only eat like one or two tabs and I would know what I was in for typically. He pulled out some crystals and different precious stones and gems and just went into all this shit about magic and dragons and DMT. I really didn't know the people too well and all this stuff was cool, but I started wigging out a little bit and went uh, to my room. I fucking wig <laughs> out, man. That's what happens. Later, after listening to some music, I was laying in bed, and this is when I remember seeing lights outside my window and not knowing if it was street lights or headlights, but I was scared. I started getting these super intense, vivid images of my family and people I cared for being sucked up into this grinding vortex tower machine. Then realizing it was their souls. I don't know how long this went on, but I do remember knowing that this was on the moon. Wow. I also remember coming out of this bad trip and being in my bed with my head and my face, just driving into my sheets and drool. I was like on my knees with my head down and crying in the sheets. At this point, I became more lucid and was trying to think of ways to stop these images from bombarding me. I decided to ask for help from God and the help of John Coltrane or the spirit of him, because at that time I was listening to a lot of his music. Instantly the image, the images and bad feelings stopped. I kind of back, I kind of blacked some stuff out. I think maybe even then lost some time in there. Pretty weird shit. I'm not sure what I did after I came out of the intense bad trip. I was just thinking, I just laid there in my covers. I somewhat recall my roommate bringing me some water and checking on me, but even that is fuzzy. Next morning, I walk out and almost everyone that was crashing was awake. The dude who gave me the LSD asked if I was okay. I was like, yeah, man, I'm good. He said, man, you scared us last night. You were in your room and your teeth were chattering really fast and you were doing these weird vibratory sounds with your voice. I was like, yeah, man, <laughs> not sure. I, I had a pretty bad trip for a while. He then said, dude, I'm pretty sure you were talking to the grays. That made me freeze scared. Then he said, you are a rainbow child. <laughs> and then I need to be careful and make sure I make it past 27. <laughs> Jesus. I then went into some past UFO experiences I had with my brothers and a different one with my best friend. We talked for a while, and then he claimed to see auras and be the reincarnation of Moses or some off-the-wall shit like that. It was a very odd time, but I will never forget him, nor will I forget the psychic bombardment I assume now came from, the greys. I've had some pretty incredible things happen to me on psychedelics and stone sober. Some involve UFOs and some involve Sasquatch. I know it sounds pretty insane, that I claim to have had these experiences, but multiple experiences I've had alone and with other witnesses. I've also shared my Bigfoot experience on Sasquatch Chronicles and have been called back and talked with MUFON about reporting a UFO orb experience that my buddy and I had. But that's beside the point. The aforementioned trip was brought to memory because of the mushrooms you guys ate and Red Pill bringing up UFOs and trying to set the intention to summon one. From my experience and others I've had, I don't really suggest it. I there agree. was only one UFO experience that I was that I've that I've had that was pleasant or felt harmless. The rest felt very intrusive and unpleasant. 
Anyway, thanks for reading if you did and keep pumping out rad content. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug. Well, that was that was quite the Graham's out summoning UFOs. I got an email here, a text. Oh, text right. on the text line, four oh three, what's the number? Uh four oh three seven zero two six zero eight three. Four zero three seven zero two six zero eight three. The Great America Hotline. We got. Uh, I was trick or treating with my boys on Wicked Weather Night here in on a Wicked Weather Night here in Buffalo. My eldest son and I got chatting about Illuminati and the Power Pyramid in general. I explained about a few societies during that conversation, including the Skull and Bones fraternity. My son is fourteen, and while he laughs at the idiocy of certain aspects of society like the MSM, he's Skeptical that things are as bad as I say. At least he's willing to humor me. Someday he'll see the light. Anyways, while searching through their big bags of treats the next day, I came across this snack. <laughs> I thought it was mildly synchronistic and told my son, maybe it's a sign that he should pay more attention to your dad's crazy ramblings. Figured I'd share a pic. Jake from Buffalo, loyal listener, periodic supporter. Awesome. And the pic is uh, sweet tart skull and bones. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, send us pictures on the, send us your synchro pics. Send us uh, whatever on the text line. That's what it's here for. Uh, 403, what's the number again? 702-6083. Call us, leave us voicemail, send us text, whatever you want to yeah, do. Yeah, Graham at GrahamAmerica.com too. Email me, synchros, trip reports, UFO sightings. All or that anything. shit. Support your feedback, the show. Support. Yeah. GrahamAmerica.ca yeah. support. Pass it we on. no commercials. We got no nothing. We just got you guys and your support. So please support us. GrahamAmerica.ca slash support. You're all we got. Don't forget, we got to go into this champignon magique. We know you guys have lots of other options for podcasts, but we don't have any other options for support other than you guys. GrahamAmerica.ca slash support. Of course, it's going to give you access to the black budget, which is going to be getting populated with some F-word content soon. So good time to be a supporter. Not not fuckery, but fascism. Fascism. Yep. Coming around to the fascism. Step by step. They're all fascists. slash support. Help us fight back against the fascists. We can't do it without a little bit of support. Of course, you can review the show. You can share your show. You can tell your friends about this show. Tell your friends about this motherfucker, and then they listen. Maybe they tell their friends. Maybe they support. All uh, helps, and that, that doesn't cost you nothing. You share the show free. Done. You review the show free. Done. What else can you do for free? Sign up for the newsletter. Done. And if you're too scared to share the show, you could just sign your friends up for the newsletter. That's a good idea. There you go. Yeah. They don't even know. They just yeah. start getting a newsletter. Yeah. What do you got? We got no. Oh. We got to transition into the right. Champagnat Magique, and then yeah. So we'll yeah. jump in here if we got a little twenty minutes or so, uh, talking psychedelics with Jeff. If you're in Canada, I do encourage uh, check out the site. You yeah. to check out the site and maybe place an order. A uh, bunch of different strains on there, nine or ten different strains. I got and the biggest magic mushroom I've ever seen in the mail. Penis envy. Yeah, I have a little penis envy. And if say. you're American, just make friends with your Canadian partners up north and get them to order it for you. We are not advocating uh, cross-border drug smuggling by any means, but hey, you guys come up with something. Maybe you guys can make friends in the chats. That's where you'll meet. America.ca slash chats. Not an international drug cartel ring. Just some chats. Honestly, don't do any of that drug stuff in the chats. Just do it on your own. Graham <laughs> was wrong to suggest that. Just keep talking politics. It's still too illegal. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enjoy the chat. All right, we've got Jeff with us for this intro. Uh, 
He's he's got a company called Champignon Magique. I'm assuming that's back east in Canada, but he's been listening to the show for a while. And uh, yeah, I think we got. Did you get a package from him the other day, Darren? I did. I got yeah. some penis envy. You got. <laughs> so we thought we'd we thought we'd talk to Jeff about uh, about what's going on over there with this business. Thanks for uh, joining us, Jeff. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure to be here. I'm a longtime fan of the show. Um, it's, it's awesome to be able to talk with you guys. Uh, I started Champignon Magiques, uh, it's fairly recent, about a month ago. Oh, okay. And uh, the, the, the subject of psychedelics has been pretty hot in the last few months. Um, I've been hearing more and more about it. I know Denver have both decriminalized. I think there's a, a few Canadian cities uh, or, or provinces that are well on the way. Um, so I think it's a, it's a good time to be uh, in this industry, and we're just stoked to uh, be able to give Canadians access to psilocybin. So, so I mean, it just reminds me of when we were traveling back from the States because Darren likes to go to his uh, little weed uh, cat, what, what do you call them, dispensaries or whatever. And I was like, it's not going to be long before we're going to be able to, you know, stop into the mushroom place and uh, get whatever yeah, exactly. whatever flavor you want. So it's kind of cool to to hear this happening. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have uh, heard of Dana Larson. He's a pot activist, but he's actually opened, or he's in the process of opening a storefront mushroom dispenser. He's got... Uh, something similar to what we've got online right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he opening a storefront in Vancouver uh, probably in the next few months. Yeah, I was just going to say it has to be Vancouver, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're located in Quebec, but we ship anywhere in Canada. Uh, it's a $17 flat rate shipping. We, we use Express Post, so you usually get it in about three to five days. Um, and yeah, so I, I sent you guys that package the other week, a little care package. Um, it's got some tea and some micro doses and some penis envy. That's actually, uh, probably our most popular strain. The penis envy is, that's a, yeah, that's, it seems a little yeah, daunting yeah. to eat penis. though. It's very different. Have, from, uh, I know. Penis envy. I was just looking at that actually. It's very different from the mushrooms I get around here. I always get the same kind. Um, they're great, but they're like the very skinny stems and they're very small. Actually, we had one we were looking at on Friday. It was just beautiful, or Saturday, just beautiful looking little mushroom. It was a shame to eat it. I didn't eat it. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was a, kind of an interesting uh, fact about the mushrooms is sometimes the smaller mushrooms actually have a stronger concentration of psilocybin. And it has to do with when the psilocybin is synthesized by the mushroom and it's But it uh, it starts happening early on. So sometimes if you get a small mushroom, it can actually be a stronger concentration of psilocybin. Huh. So are these different experiences, like different highs as well? Uh, I would draw an analogy similar to the strains with cannabis, right? Like you're, you're still going to get um, relatively the same kind of high with subtle differences. Okay. Uh, and we, we, so we have nine strains available. Um, from from all over the world, we got. I can list them off for you if you want. We got uh, PE Albino PE Transki Malabar Mazatepec Hualta Ecuador Treasure Coast, and I believe that's it. So yeah, we've got we've got quite a variety of strains, and we're actually working. Uh, we're doing a few experiments that we're pretty excited about crossing some strains. Uh, we're also working with cannabis substrate. So we're infusing cannabis into the substrate that the mushrooms are growing in, and uh, we're we're stoked to see if that gives uh, any different effects. Wow! 
So, so the microdosing that you guys provide in a pill format, that's a great idea. So people don't have to try and measure their stuff out or whatever. So yeah, is I have a couple like of a- jars. I was actually meaning to talk about that because I want. I think I'm going to get into the the microdosing maybe before the penis envy. I don't know. I just had a hell of a DMT experience. I'm pretty good for psychedelics for a little while. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about psychedelics. Hey, they're they're totally not addictive. Um, you take it once and you, you're fine to uh, lay off for a little while. But as far as the microdoses, uh, our pills, they all contain uh, 125 milligrams of dried mushroom. Um, and the most common dosing schedule that you're, you would probably follow is uh, dosing once every three days. And with our microdoses, actually, we, uh, we've done some value-added stuff as well. Um, so it's not just psilocybin. We've got the Stamets Plus, which is named after Paul Stamets. Got some um, nootropics in there too, or yeah, that that has stamets uh, on the show. You guys have had stamets. No, I'm in the process of booking them now. They said no, but the second time they said maybe. Yeah, that would be an awesome episode. That, that's one of my favorite uh, Joe Rogan oh, experiences. Such the, a good show. That's but, that's so yeah. We have a bad connection. Yeah, we have a sorry, we have a really bad connection. There's a there's a delay, so sorry we keep talking over you. Oh yeah, no worries. Um so Stamets Plus, it's got a ginseng and niacin. Oh. And that's um yeah, that's that's a combination, the psilocybin, the ginseng, and the niacin Get that, flush. Uh, that is used and, and talked about by by uh Paul Stamets. Um so yeah, it, it gives you a nice little energy boost that that accompanies the mental clarity. Uh provided by the psilocybin and then a little bit of a niacin flush to increase blood flow. So that, that calm genesis that you get from psilocybin, you've got more blood flowing through your brain, right? That's uh, beneficial. Fantastic. So, so you'll ship to anywhere in Canada then? Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere in Canada, flat rate, uh, 17 bucks for shipping. Yeah. No, actually we've had quite a few people, from all over the world, actually, from um, from a few from Eastern Europe, from France, from the states, asking if we can ship there, and unfortunately, we can't at this point. Um, but anyway, back to the uh, microdoses. So that, that second microdose is multi mushroom, uh, um, and it's got uh, lion's mane, which also aids in neurogenesis, similar to chaga, reishi, shiitake, maitake, turkey tail, and agaricus. Wow. That sounds great. Yeah. And you recommended like 125 grams every three days? I think we've lost some. Jesus, all the, everything was fine until we started recording and then it just. This is a great idea. Do you take mushrooms daily as it is? Do you follow any of the Stamets stuff? Taking lion's mane and. Who are you talking to? Graham doesn't ever (laughs) eat mushrooms. I thought you were asking me, but then I thought you were asking him. No, the false stamp. No, I don't. I no, don't do doesn't mushroom. eat mushrooms ever. No, I mean. Oh, non-magical mushrooms? Medicinal mushrooms. Oh, mushrooms. Uh, no, not, not, Lion's no. Lion's mane no, and no. chaga. You want to know what he had no. for breakfast? Chaga. Ray- Ray- yeah. Rishi, not Guess what he had for Rishi, breakfast. I have some Rishi stuff. Guess what he had I, for breakfast. I don't do it every day, though, yeah. Wontons. Huh. This is a great idea, adding it in, like, little tiny it, bits, and yeah. then you can choose to bump up. and. Yeah. When's the best time to take it? You could treat that multi-mushroom one kind of like a vitamin, right? So you're, right. you're getting a bunch of cardiovascular health benefits. Um, turkey tail mushrooms have been shown to, to fight cancer cells. 
So there's tons of benefits um, that go along with those other medicinal mushrooms. So can I ask why why we why you wouldn't do like 50 milligrams a day instead of 125 every three days? Like, wouldn't you want that sort of buzz to continue daily? So it, it takes your body uh, between two to three days to break down all of the psilocybin. Okay. So once you ingest, it's in your system for two to three days. Um, so the guy that developed that protocol, his name is James, Dr. James Fadiman. And his theory behind it was just that you're going to have residual effects from the psilocybin in your system for two days, around two days after you take it. Right. So that's, right. that's where he got the once every three days. Um, but Stamets actually, uh, I think he personally uses a five and two day protocol. That's right. so he takes it five, right. five days in a row and then takes two days off, lets his body uh, clear all the psilocybin out of his system and wash those, those serotonin receptors that psilocybin binds to clean. And then uh, starts again his, his new dosing week. When's the best time to take it? Like um, I take morning it right or before the, bed? Yeah, but really, uh, I don't think that there's any one uh, best time. You can, whenever works best for you. And you're not noticing any psychoactive effects? No, I, I've I've heard um, some anecdotal stuff about people feeling a little bit the very first time they microdose, but you build a tolerance to psilocybin fairly quickly. So if you do feel maybe just a tiny little uh, buzz the first day, you you probably won't. So maybe start on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's probably a good idea. Okay, <laughs> I'll start on Saturday. <laughs> Awesome. I'm eager to start. Yeah. I mean, I got 150 days worth or something here by that calculation. So that gives me enough time to, to see to what really, I'm. Yeah, to really see get what a good yeah. sample size. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. couldn't be happier. You guys have. Uh, I got to tell you, it was a pretty good P.O. box day for Darren. <laughs> but that yeah, was I also the that. same day that DMT a, kicked my ass. Yeah. And then so the, the tea, uh, we've got two flavors of tea. Um, and we, we really tried to source out a quality tea for that. So we used Murchies, which is a pretty renowned, uh, tea brand. Um, so, and we have vanilla bergamot and lemon ginger flavors. And there, we did a bunch of product testing on it, which was a, a good time. I definitely. <laughs> um, so we, we've fine tuned our tea to mushroom ratio to the point that you can't even tell there's mushrooms in there. And, uh, you know, I was actually, we were out there the other day and. And uh, I was like, well, maybe I could have the, I was like, I don't want to get into the mushrooms tonight. Maybe I'll just have some tea. And Jay's yeah, like, and that, you have know, you considered the tea is- might have mushrooms in it? And I was like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can adjust the dose really easily with that tea as well. Uh, we, we mix it at a one to five ratio. So however, um, however many grams of mushrooms that you would like to experience, just multiply that by five and then weigh out that amount of tea. So, you know, let's say you wanted to do, uh, one gram of mushrooms you'd weigh out and brew five grams of tea of tea blend so there's eight grams of mushrooms in that little tea bag then yeah jesus christ sweet it's a good thing i didn't just make some tea experiences oh you were gonna brew the whole thing i don't know what i was gonna do but i'm glad i didn't do it i mean jay got into it he ate an eighth i don't know where he ended up but i <laughs> i was good after the uh the other session was just, it wasn't a terrible experience or anything like that. It was just super intense. It wasn't a bad trip. It was just super intense. Yeah. And it was like, I don't know if I'm ready to go back there anytime soon. Yeah. When I'm, uh, when I'm dosing for personal use, I, I usually go around three grams. 
but you got to keep in mind that that PE is definitely a, a stronger strain. So I would adjust your dosage by probably about 30%. Like do about 30% less uh, than you would normally do. So where do you find your doses to come in at? Like what, uh, do you have different levels of doses you play with personally? What's heroic? (laughs) Well, the the traditional uh, heroic dose or hubris journey, I think that's uh, Terrence McKenna quote, is five grams and uh, specifically five grams in silent darkness. And that will be a, a uh, an ego dissolving experience. Sure. Um, <laughs> uh, when when I take it, I usually like to do around three grams. So that's a that's a good mix of you still get some uh, some profound, you know, like kind of a uh, spirituality type experience, um, but you're not completely gone. But uh, again, I mean, everyone's medicinal, or everyone's uh, metabolism and body composition is different, so. We, uh, we, on the website, we recommend to start somewhere between one and two grams and just kind of figure out what works for you. But a, a good starting point is somewhere between one and two grams. Hmm. Even that'll catch you. Oh yeah. If it's the PE and you're doing two grams, you're, you'll definitely feel that. So I shouldn't eat that whole thing, that whole penis looking thing. Uh, I think that one I sent you was around six grams. 7.3. Okay. Yeah, so I wouldn't eat that whole thing. So you got to slice it down I'll the middle you, then, I'll so you get you some head middle, and some Michael. stock. I mean, um, well, I'm getting, s- I'm going to eat the cap, and Michael person. likes stem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which is <laughs> but, better, uh, cap or stem? There, there's slightly more in the cap, but it's actually not a huge difference. Yeah. Really? Oh, that's yeah. good to know. Yeah. And there's a lot more stem, so <laughs> there's way yeah, more stem. Those envies, they're uh, they're pretty cool looking mushrooms, and especially the albino penis envy. They're really like they're you know, almost otherworldly. They they're pretty cool. Nice. This thing, I mean, it's bigger than my thumb. Yeah, it's pretty big for yeah. an albino penis. Oh, you yeah. know what? We've had some pretty massive ones too. We've harvested some that are around 200 grams wet. What? 200 grams well, wet. That's a joke there. So that comes down to like. 20 or 18 yeah drives to about a tenth of its weight yeah still though oh, that's yeah that's pretty a sad. healthy yeah mushroom for sure wow you could just be yeah, taking bites know, out we, of it and pass them we, around totally we consistently have uh, a lot of really nice healthy big mushrooms like that because we we really uh put a lot of effort into our both our, our substrates and our growing environment like we have a fully functioning laboratory uh it's got it's, it's completely sealed. It's got all intakes filtered, um, just like laboratory grade growing environment. That's what we should do here. Start growing a bunch of mushrooms. Totally. Talk to Brad. Ah, uh, I'm going to, well, you know what I'll do is, uh, we'll chop that big old penis looking mushroom in half one of these days. You didn't make a podcast down the middle lengthwise. Yeah. You know what guys, um, there's, there's also the potential to clone from, uh, from uh, a mushroom, you can uh, cut a little piece of it off and put it in agar. And uh, it's a little bit harder with the dried mushroom, but it's still definitely possible. Wow. Yeah, at cool. this point, there's so many mushrooms flying around that. I only did it once, and I and you have to get the whole, uh, what's it called? The whole cap. Um, the print, well, you, you, the print, you have to get the entire print. Or it wouldn't There's work. two ways to spread the, the genetics, and, and one is through a spore print, and then the other is through cloning. Hmm. Uh, and when you're cloning, basically, you just want to get some of the cap and some of the stems. So you'd break it and you'd cut it um, right where the cap 
cut and meets the stem and you cut a little chunk out, put that into a plate full of agar, which is just a, a growing substrate mm-hmm. made, uh, I think it's made yeah. of seaweed. Mm-hmm. That's um, cool. yeah. And then that up and, uh, it'll consume the agar and grow. And it, it's, you know, it's really, it's really cool to watch the life cycle of, of the mushroom. Yeah, it is actually. Interesting. It's we should grow underrated. one here at the studio. Mm-hmm. It's really Let's underrated. grow a mushroom. Do you want to take on that? Uh, it takes, you have to, you can't leave it alone every, like, you can't just check on it once a week or something. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, you got to be on it. Because if you, if you think like, about it, you're creating the perfect conditions for mold to grow. Yeah. So you, well, you gotta be got to be sterile and, uh, and very on it. Yeah, it's yeah, as soon super as you, science class. It's not like just dirt and water. Better just yeah. have a, head over to champignonmagique.com and just order some. I think that's what I'm going to do. I'll share this <laughs> one with you. And uh, actually, right now, we're uh, we're looking for people to review our stuff. So we're offering a 20% off uh, in exchange for leaving a review on our site. And if you're interested in that, just type in at the checkout. There's a little box that says add a promo code and uh, use the code review and you can get 20% off. Nice. You're giving them a 20% off before the review? Well, yes, I mean, you we're can trust- usually trust hippies. We're we're pretty confident too in in the quality of the product that uh, we're gonna get some some rave reviews. Okay, so I'm gonna make a podcast, a follow up to Grammarica Psilocybus. Should I use the T or the penis envy? I would go for the penis envy. All right. Yeah. I'm loaded with penis envy already, so it'll work out great. <laughs> Uh, anything else before we, we cut you loose, Jeff? I mean, I, I can't say thank you enough for the fabulous care package you guys sent over. Yeah, it's, it's our pleasure. Um, one thing I did want to just clear up a little bit was I, I watched the intro uh, that you guys did on Monday and there was a little bit of confusion about our name and our domain name and our return box address and all that. Uh, I just wanted to let people know that our business is called Champignon Magique and you can find it by typing into the search bar either Champignon Magique, C-H-A-M-P-I-G-N-O-N-M-A-G-I-Q-U-E, or West Coast Tea Shop. And we just did that West Coast Tea Shop uh, domain name just because it sounds a little more benign and for a little bit of extra layer of security. Awesome. Yeah, well, good luck with your business. Well, thank you very much. I, I think it's uh, really going to pick up. It's uh, it's the this whole psychedelic uh, space right now is, is quite hot. What's your prediction for when, uh, we'll be able to legally or at least decriminalize this whole thing federally? I think that cannabis set a precedent and mushrooms will follow in that, uh, in those footsteps much quicker than cannabis did. Yeah. I would say in the next five years. Yeah. I was going to say five years. That's good. In the meantime, you know, we can go to your site or go stop by stop by the storefront in Vancouver. Those are probably the Two best places. <laughs> Head to the website. I'll do a full review here. And I need yeah. a, I'm going to need it. It'll probably be in like early 2020. <laughs> we're, uh, we're also super active on uh, Instagram. We just did a giveaway for 1,000 followers. So we, uh, we just gave someone an ounce of mushrooms um, and then their choice of tea flavor and their choice of microdoses. So we'll be doing tons more stuff like that on Instagram. Uh, and our, our name is champignon.magique. So yeah, follow us on there. That's usually the best way to get a hold of us as well. We'll, we'll uh, respond the quickest to Instagram messages. Awesome. And we'll see how the microdosing goes. Yeah. 
Yeah, let me know, guys. I'm I'm super stoked to hear about your experience. I will. Maybe I'll get so much smarter, people will notice, and they'll just start flooding the website, and you'll be like, we got to keep this guy high That's all the I'm time. More, I'm more interested in. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it literally does uh, induce neurogenesis. So it, it increases the amount of brain cells that you have, so it's bound to make you smarter. That's it. That's dangerous <laughs> thought. Right on, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the show. We encourage all our listeners to check that out. This is it, Canada. Get on the site. Yeah. Get some. Thanks for uh, having me. Oh, anytime. Yeah, we'll have you back after uh, we're a couple months deep into the the microdosing experiment. That sounds awesome. I can't wait. Okay, Jeff. Uh, stay classy. Thanks, guys. You too. Bye. Good one. And we're back. That was our chat with Jeff. Big thanks, Jeff, for coming on the show. Of course, we're not going to say his last name for obvious reasons. We do encourage you to check out the website. It's worth a check. It's free to check out. Once you're done checking out that website, head over to grandamerica.ca slash support, sign up for a monthly, then review the show, and then listen to the rest of the interview. We had a great chat with Dick Khan, and uh, it's worth listening to. But first, press pause. Go do all that stuff I just asked you to do, and then enjoy the interview with the... I'll tell you what, the show sounds better when you're a supporter. <laughs> enjoy the chat. Dick Khan. So we got an interesting episode coming up, especially considering Darren's uh, inaugural DMT experience a few weeks ago. We've got Dick Kahn here, the author of DMT, My Occult Mind. He's, uh, I guess, uh, his you know personally prescribed uh, DMT researcher, informal researcher, as he as he would say. Um, I'm going to talk about his like 600 plus experiences and the writing of his books and all the good stuff. So thanks for coming on the show, Dick. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, I guess Darren's uh, Darren's ramped up his interest of this topic because uh, he had an experience a few weeks back that kind of blew his mind. I've heard you talk about lots of those mind blowing experiences yourself, and you had a, you know you did enough enough of it that uh, you wrote a book about it and two books, two books. You got two books out yeah. now. That's good. I was going to ask you if you had your second one out yet. Yeah, that's good. yeah, just out a few weeks ago. Oh, perfect timing then. Yes. Awesome. What's yeah. the title of that one? And sorry that I didn't catch it before the interview. No, that's all right. That's um, I said DMT and my occult mind too. Okay. So it's a similar title, just following that same title. Okay. Good stuff. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So I think Graham said something like 600, 600 crossings. <laughs> yeah, six hundred experiments. That was that was um that was a Vice article. That was a few years ago. So. 
I'm not saying I'm like, you know, up in the thousands, nowhere near, but yeah, you know, I, um, 600 experiences, wasn't on social media, so I didn't know what anybody else was doing. I was just busy sort of doing my unsanctioned research. You know, I, I'd like to say I was enjoying it, but obviously, you know, it's it's a terrifying thing to approach. But the writing, the analyses I was doing, yeah, I really, really love that. Darren was just saying that, how he's still nervous, like even after he's, he's done it once. I mean, he was, he was, uh, what was the word he used? He was apprehensive apprehensive all the way up to that and he's still hesitant, appreh- hesitant, hesitant and he's still that way now and he he feels like it would never go away i mean are, are, were you getting do you still get that apprehension and nervousness before so when i first started and you know i i extracted my own dmt free base and uh i'd made a couple of mistakes in the first couple of attempts so when i got it i was super excited and i didn't know there was a certain way to smoke it so I had no nerves whatsoever. I was just full of curiosity, really wanted the experience. And then, like, first time I smoked it, it was with a, a, a makeshift pipe. It wasn't a really great pipe, so it was just one pull of a few milligram. But even just that, the, the potency of the substance with just that one single pull, it was just like, wow. So then I looked into how to smoke it and had some experiences, and, yeah, very quickly – you experience its power and uh, yeah, you, you are filled with, it's, it's, it's not something like you're like, oh, I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I'm, you know, I can't wait. Very quickly, there's um, a healthy respect develops and the further you go, then I think, you know, it's fair to say anxiety, trepidation, all those things, fear even, you know, they're all valid emotions that you have before launching. I actually, well, one thing I definitely noticed, like, well, I was on. So I was, I was lucky enough to have have my buddy Jason there. He had he had crossed over before, so we had we had a system down. And I went. Uh, I don't know. I want to say I had at least a hundred, maybe a bit more. Like I had, I put a lot in there. We had enough that I could just go for broke. And wow, uh, is and, this the new terminology you're using? Crossed over? Yeah, that's right. That's right. No problem with that. <laughs> no. First time uh, I think I've heard you. Say it like that. It's a journey crossing to the spirit world. Uh, actually, I think it's my subconscious, but we get into that a little bit later. Um, yeah, I noticed. So I, I went full blow, fully, whatever you call it, breakthrough the first time. And, uh, but I noticed like, while I was tumbling down the rabbit hole, trying to grab onto the walls, like an extreme fear during the experience which seemed to subside after I let go. Well, you it sounds like with 100 mg, you've gone in at the deep end. I kind of waded out slowly. I didn't, you know, nothing like 100 mg to start with. So you've really jumped in at the deep end. Yeah. So respect. <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of, I mean, I had, I had heard so much about it that I had kind of decided that that was, that's how I was going to start was just like, into the deep end and uh-huh. uh it was scary it was scary because even after like after you have the first hoot like looking at that pipe again and going in for the second one is like oh man this seems crazy but uh i would say and then then after the second hoot by the time i blew that out i was like quickly 
dissolving timelines. So all of a sudden all the time disappeared and I didn't know when it was. And I started having some freakouts and I, that's when I had the intense sort of fear that okay. sort of dissipated when I just sort of fell back into the experience. Actually, it was my friend Jason that was able to sort of, cause I started panicking verbally and he was able to be like, Hey man, everything's good. You're safe. And then, you know, from that point there it was just sort of fall back into and as soon as I sort of accepted the fact that I was going to be okay, that's when those fears mm. sort of changed into surrealness and everything else. And then the love and everything sort of comes, comes later. But, um, yeah. so to contrast, I mean, with me sort of wading in, you know, cautiously upping my doses after the first experience, my initial few experiences were all magical. I mean, really, beautiful like inviting me come back again come back again you know not verbally but sort of you know giving me that vibe and then there was one day you know we were watching our children playing football my wife and i at a local community center i said you know what i'm gonna go back and hit the pipe and i did and and that was like one of the classic little death experiences you know you okay and you know, straight away you, you lay back and you're just convinced you're dead. I mean, there's just something about that experience. You are convinced you are dead. And I was just, you know, it, terrified. You know, I mean, it just really shakes you to your soul. So after that, then it was like, oh, my God, you know. But that wasn't anywhere near like 100 milligrams. That was, I don't know, 25, 30, 35 to be fair, I didn't have a scale. I just used like the end of a butter knife a couple times and like pile a couple piles in there and just. Yeah, I I hear, <laughs> I hear people doing that and I've I've got to salute them and and maybe that's an approach I should take in my third book. But do you know, in all seriousness, I was worried publishing a book on DMT, so I thought, do you know what, to try and make it at least semi-scientific, I'm going to put down the dose. And I'm even going to put down the weather conditions because, you know, like with Rick Strassman's research, you know, it was authorized. It was a scientific study. He was measuring the uh, the parameters, the medical parameters of DMT's effect on the body. Well, I couldn't do that and I didn't want to do that. And obviously with, with Rick's research, as he said, the spin-off was the experiences. And clearly that's what, what DMT is about. So I thought at least if I put down the milligram measure, and I put down the accurate weather conditions. I can argue it was a serious scientific study, but I kind of look back and laugh at that now, that, that kind of mind that I had. No, but at least you have some sort of like ramping it up where you can kind of also judge your experience based on dosage and you can see how it changes as you go up. I mean, I think that's a good way to, to start it off, especially knowing that you're going to, you know, you're going to do that many, that many times. You I think know, that's great. I, I noticed, um, I used to do it, frequently at the landing at the top of the stairs which is just it's a small area and i noticed there with with 25 milligram i could break through regularly but in the larger bedroom 25 milligram just wasn't enough so it seemed the dimensions wow. of the room was somehow a factor and then after 18 months when i went outside there was no way 25 milligrams would break me through or very rarely you needed a stronger dose so i found that interesting yeah, that is very interesting. I wonder if it's yeah. Based I thought it would have been the, size, the opposite, the size way, of the huh? space. Yeah. yeah, I mean, from from what what I found, and it took me ages to sort of work 
work this out. And this is this is my opinion. You know, I'm not saying I don't stand here and say this is the absolute truth about DMT. But I found that it, the first thing it does, entities aside, is it it powerfully amplifies or expands like a bubble your your consciousness, your mind, your psycho spiritual constitution, which just inflates so rapidly. And, you know, that became more appreciable when I've gone outdoors. And by doing that, you've significantly changed your setting. You know, you've you've seriously amplified your some esoteric or occult aspect of your constitution. And as a consequence of that, that seems attractive to entities, beings, powerful spiritual beings of hidden nature. And I know people take different views, but that's that's my take on it from my research. Well, I heard you say something about it. It seemed like instead of you going somewhere that they were actually coming to your dimension in a way, like it was almost yeah. attracting them. What most people think of it as like you're, you're going somewhere else, you're going to another dimension and you seem to describe it the opposite. Yeah. Well, to begin with, I was the same, it, you know, I was smoking it and my approach was always or nearly always eyes open and daylight conditions. <laughs> But when you break through, it doesn't really matter whether you're in daylight or darkness, eyes open or eyes closed. But I would smoke it, and for sure, it looks like I've gone to this magical realm, uh, peopled with human-like entities doing impossible things. For sure, it looks like you have visited somewhere else. But by pursuing the experience and pursuing the experience and then trying trying little things like, well, if I'm going somewhere, how do I get halfway there? So messing about with low doses and building doses up and just trying different things, it, it then became apparent to me that what's actually happening is something's come in here and it's very quickly mesmerically overpowering me, engulfing me within its own body of mind, if you will, and imposing upon me visually so powerfully that it looks like I'm somewhere else, but for sure. And I can, I've had experiences outside where, and even inside where, as that experience concludes, it's almost like the entity's spitting you out of, of itself. I mean, it's very peculiar, you know, it's not literally being spat out, but, you know, it's very, sometimes it's very abrupt. You're in this realm and then all of a sudden, bang, you're back. It's like, wow. What do you, just happened, Darren? You mentioned subconscious that you're subconscious, and 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 for well, you, for you, Dick, experience. like for you, Dick, this 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 entity or this thing being pushed pushing those experiences onto you. Do you think that was based on your subconscious, or was it completely external to that? I think it's completely external, and and one of the one of the really amazing things about DMT, given that it's you know a potent psychedelic, is. It's very different to an LSD or magic mushroom inebriation. I, I find with DMT, not always, but in the vast majority of my experiences, you can remain, you can remain rational, you can think, you, you're cognizant. I mean, I, I say that cautiously because obviously the levels of amazement and astonishment just ramp up very quickly. But by and large, it, it's not like a traditional mind bender you can think and analyze if you can keep your mind together you know with, with the amazement of what's going on around you so i i i um no i i 
I have debates with people about the, the Jungian archetypes, and I've got to be honest, I've had to look into that as I've published books. It's not something that I've got from my education at school or university, but I don't know. It, it, it's either the Jungian archetypes are another a way of explaining these occult entities, but they don't appear to be because Jungian archetypes are shared aspects of mind. Now, I, I, I think these are... I think these are entities from from hidden nature. I mean, I see the diversity of life on Earth with the the plant kingdom, the insect kingdom, the animal kingdom, and, and obviously the diversity with humans. I just don't think that nature stops with us. I think it continues beyond us, but in a manner that's unseen by our limited perception. Yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like the pineal gland is a stargate and the DMT is what <laughs> energizes it and it opens. And then all these entities, you can travel, but these other things can come in too. And then when it closes again, the ego is back in charge. And the terror that you're experiencing is the death of the e or the rapid death of the ego. And it's, you're trying to hold on to it. And then it's, you can't, the ego can't, it has to. Not, not die, but it has to lay down for a second Dissipate. while the Stargate energizes. Yeah. That's what I hear. I thought, well, for me, I thought it was like, I've been, and I've only done it the one time, but uh, I was equating it to like just being inside my subconscious. It's just like being, being shrunk down to a single pinpoint like of an atom inside my subconscious and just like looking at the walls and being like, wow, this is all in here. And, and uh, it takes like that dissolvation of the ego because um, does, it's like the ego sort of in the modern world, I feel like the ego is kind of overpowering a bunch of stuff that's going on in our head. And that's why we're all sort of fighting real hard to push that off. And then when you smoke that DMT, it's just like poof. And then at that same time, you're sort of shrunk down into the inside of your subconscious looking around and, and those Entities. I mean, the entities that I seen were sort of flying by on a psychedelic school bus on a 45 degree angle, but it wasn't really a school bus and it was infinitely long. <laughs> and the entities were like slot machines that were just like, and Graham was like, were well, they trying to talk to you? And I was like, I wasn't there, man. I was, I don't even know what was observing it because all semblance of self was gone. And then I, I wonder if, you know, you've just sort of killed off that, all of your reality perception to the point that you're just like, you're observing yourself from the ultimate outside of yourself, but within yourself at the same time. Instead of being beside yourself, you're within yourself. I think, you know, your, your interpretation could be, be valid because in my experience, not, not every occasion where I've smoked DMT has resulted in entity interaction. And I have had some, I've smoked DMT and I, I, I mean, it's put me in such a, blissful heavenly state i mean beyond compare like you feel absolutely aloof from the whole of humanity and i know that's not being um, an entity interaction i know towards the end of that experience an entity did arrive and kind of looked after me in a mothering capacity because I, I projected so much of my own psycho spiritual stuff outside myself it was literally filling the local sky well, that's not to say that your interpretation is not valid. I mean, I, I've heard people tell me, do this with DMT and do that with DMT, and you'll have this kind of experience and that kind of experience. And I don't doubt them, but 
I don't know. I, I, I've always said I've not scratched the surface of this mystery, and I, I believe that. So, you know, I think there's a lot. I, I, I'm not sure that, I don't know, people say, like, you're going into the spirit realm. I'm not, I'm not sure about that because I think that that demands a lot. I think you've got to, you know, with the sort of chakra system and that, you've got to have all those aligned and working. I don't know. I don't think free access into the spirit realm proper is as easy as people make out. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen on DMT, but I will say I've not experienced it on DMT, and I'm just being honest. Did you notice any sort of, because I noticed for, I mean, I've had some effects, obviously, that have, like, affected me till now. I mean, it's been about five weeks or six weeks, and I'm not, no real, you know, I've noticed some changes within myself that don't seem to change back. And I've been kind of mindful and start kind of carry those out. But I mean, for the first like week after, man, I was like living on a cloud. Like you were meditating in yeah. right? I'm still meditating. Really? Yeah, I'm still oh. meditating. Yeah, and I'm still, it takes me about 15, 20 minutes and I can just drop into a space where I lose like, I don't the know. The 20 minutes is the drop. They yeah, say, so. and then I can just fall into this space where, and it feels great. I get addicted yeah. to it. Yeah. Um. So I find myself like, you know, the kids are busy doing something. It's like, okay, if I sneak off over here, I can get, you know. If I can get to that space, because I feel like even five minutes in that zone is worth it. Yeah. You know, like if you can carry that out longer, then your legs get numb and shit. But I mean, for like the week after, I was like walking on a cloud. Like, I don't know yeah. what, I've never tried antidepressants or anything like that, but I feel yeah. like that was a pretty good, and I was going through some shit and sure. that was like, poof. The next day I, I woke up the next day feeling more blessed than I had maybe ever. It's a life-changing experience for sure. No two ways about it. You know, whether you try it once and it works or whether you try it hundreds of times, it's it's a profound life-changing experience. Is it the one or did you find different? Because I haven't gone back in yet. I'm going to go back in next month, I think. But um, I'm just wondering if with you doing it so many times, did you just notice that effect the first time? And now you're after, is it like after the DMT? You're a different person that's, or is it like a progressive or do you notice different experiences? Maybe you, you grab different things almost like you can become, because what I've thought about is if I can get into my subconscious, I might be able to fucking tweak some things in there that don't serve me so well. If I can figure out where the levers are and I'm wondering if you've found any of the levers. Well, two, two things. First of all, I, I found that the experiences changed over time so before i tried dmt I, I was reading up on it for months and months and there seemed to be from those who were really experienced with it they seem to say the longer you try the more you try it the weirder it becomes and i i found that to be absolutely true there were experiences i had throughout and towards the end of my my sort of research campaign if i call it that that had those experiences been my first, I would have never gone back to DMT at all. But because I'd sort of, you know, it, it kind of brought me along gently. And, yeah, I, there seemed to be like a very gradual sort of initiation process at play. So the experiences did change significantly. But over time, you know, there, there were one or two experiences where they were very, abruptly different to what I'd been used to. But I think I got the experiences under my belt to say, well, okay, that, that was something I didn't expect, but okay, let's go ahead. And then the second thing is, yeah, I mean, those, those experiences are just 
they're so shocking. You can't imagine the experience. You've got to experience it to 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 see what it's about. And I think that changes you as a person. And I think it's changed me for the better. I think one of the biggest changes is not just the experience, but actually that internal battle you have with yourself that says, this part of me wants to smoke DMT, but there's another part of me absolutely terrified. And it's like overcoming that. I think it's overcoming the ego. And I think if you can do that and overcome your ego for those experiences, it's like, there's a little victory for the spiritual ego. You know, it's like, yeah, I got, I got into smoke DMT and the ego's like screaming at you, don't do it, don't do it. And you do it. And I think there's a lot of personal change from that. It, that that's my take on it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that resonates because I felt like an ego death is what it felt like. And then that's, it was kind of, I was kind of going into that mindset of trying to shut that voice in your head off at the same time. And I noticed since that, that, you know, that same sort of discussion you're talking about of whether or not to smoke DMT, I can notice myself having in other instances, like, you know, Hey, mm -hmm. I've, I've got a couple options here on how I respond to this. How am I going to, which Instead one of am just I reacting. Instead of reacting, I'm acting. I've, I'm, I'm taking time to observe and, and act instead of just reacting and being like, Oh fuck. Mm -hmm. What'd you do that for? <clears throat> there's, there's a, a third aspect as well. So by way of example, when I said the experience has changed subtly but significantly over time, to begin with, the experiences were, you know, visual. You know, it looks like you've gone to this other realm. But then the experience has changed and became less visual and more invasive. And I know that's probably a term that raises eyebrows and worries people, but I, I, I had the entities or an entity will be, it was clearly doing something in, in my brain. I could feel, you know, this a repetitive action. And I, I titled the write-up for that, uh, Chiseling Away Quietly, because it felt like there was some something was doing something in my brain. I could feel it. And I, I was discussing it with somebody, and, and, and they, they said, yeah, you know, it's realigning your neural networks or your neural pathways. And I was like, wow, I, okay. I knew it was doing something, but that sounds valid. And yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, um, dare you say that, you know, the entities can, you know, operate in a quasi-physical manner. And I don't know, kind of quasi-physically realign your neural networks or your neural pathways. I imagine they can. Well, the interesting thing is that that's what the science shows now is that DMT and psilocybin and these things are actually rewiring your neural pathways. That's what they're showing. Yeah. And that's, yeah. it's that they're actually fighting, fighting back against, um, you know, old age and um, Alzheimer's and stuff like that with, you know, it's looking like that's one well, PTSD, PTSD depression, mm. depression and everything else, you know, these these substances seem to have that ability and the ancients have been working Addiction. with them for forever, you know? Well, I mean, fucking Gabriel Mate is getting into the stuff now where it's not even addiction. He's, he seems to be treating not him directly, but he's, he's the one is who's bringing it to light, but they're treating, um, autoimmune diseases with ayahuasca. Mm. Really? Yeah. Autoimmune disease. Yeah. Anything that requires cortisone or adrenaline, because that they say now that if something requires cortisone or adrenaline that are the body's natural uh, stress hormones, then they're 
they're able to take that back to sometime in your childhood when you had trauma that released a bunch of stress hormones. And somehow, I mean, the lady that, that was cited had not gone for that. She went to do ayahuasca to come to terms with dying because her disease was fatal. And then she healed. And yeah. instead she got like a 30% reduction in symptoms. She's able to walk again. She's no longer dying. And, you know, that's when they were like, what the fuck is going on here? So, I mean, it's interesting that's, to hear that. Yeah, you, I mean, you know, I, I love... I love all that science. I buy into the science, but it's like science seems to take it so far. But then when you start talking about entities and spiritual realms and occult nature, it, it kind of stops there. It, it, it kind of feels, and I can understand why it must be very uncomfortable, discomforting for um, a hard no scientist to say, okay, I'm going to start to explore this sort of otherworldly philosophy. It's, it's probably going to, ruin a reputation or a career. Whereas as an unsanctioned DMT researcher, I feel I've got a, a lot of literary license to be as, as far out, but equally as factual as, as, as I like to be. Yep. Well, yeah. It's hard. They can't measure it. They can't uh, repeat it. Yeah. Well, the veil's currently thin being that it's all Hollow's Eve. So let's hear some stories. Is that today? <laughs> Is that today? Well, that's interesting. Cause then, and then exactly a month, November 30th, we're having Rick back on. Rick Strassman? Yeah. Oh, right on. Good. So let's hear some stories. Yeah, let's hear let's let's hear the one that scared you. Which one? The, the... Uh, you had mentioned one a few minutes ago that you said oh, if that was my first one, I wouldn't have gone back. I mean, so one that really stands out. So about out of hundreds of experiences, there were three that really stood out. And they stood out because the the entity was qualitatively very different to the to the ones that I you know, characteristically interact with me. And there was one, and this was outside. And I, I smoked and laid down on my blanket and my pillows. And just from nowhere, this this thing, I mean, just literally, it's like grabbed hold of me and it roughhoused me. It was like I was being, it was like I was being physically wrapped in this like psycho-spiritual cellophane, but it was very rough. And the sort of, the sense coming from this entity was like, no messing about now, you're going to get it. And it really, really put it on me. I mean, it roughhoused me very, very physically. And I thought I was gone. I thought I'm going to die. There's no way I can survive this. And then it stopped. <coughs> and, uh, you know, I was looking, left looking up at the sky and the, the sky was like continuous cloud cover. But then I looked up and like a 45 degree angle, there was this perfect circle like it had been punched in the clouds and it could even see like striations you know like within that hole and it just slowly closed back up it was like something had just come down really put it on me and then just shot off <laughs> punched this hole in the cloud and i watched the cloud just closed i was like wow that that's just incredible. There was another occasion where this was inside, and you know, like my mistake was to say, "Won't it be fun to smoke DMT and look at my reflection in the mirror?" What? And my mis my mistake was saying, "Won't it be fun?" Because if these are, as I contend, interactions with powerful entities of hidden nature. They're running the experience. It, it's them that decide whether it's going to be fun or not. So I smoked this dose in front of the mirror thinking, 
maybe I'm going to see entities reflected in the mirror. And it just went wrong. I mean, my mind just, it was not in a good condition at all. I was like feeble, to say mentally feeble and not in a good place. And um, what happened first is I, there was this voice behind my, just behind my neck. And it said very sternly and very clearly, you know, stay where you are. And I, that just, I was like, oh, shit. And I put my hand out to to grab a lighter. And it was um, it was an aluminium lighter with um, chrome detail on it. And just as I got near to touching it, it was like got this electric shock from it, which shouldn't have happened. I, and I recoiled, it was enough for me to recoil. And I was just like saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I got off the bed and got out of the room. And yeah, that was that was not pretty. That was not good. You know, the, the voice had said something else behind me, but I couldn't tell where it was, but I was like, get me out of there. And then it's like you open uh, up a fairy circle or something and you fall into it. Have you ever heard fairy yeah. ring, fairy ring stories? Yeah. That's totally yeah, what it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. And there was, um, you know, sometimes I, 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 I think, I think those entities that are able to sort of give you that sort of circle circus carnival show i think they sometimes kind of test your results so i've had experiences where i've smoked it in the bedroom i've laid back and and i can feel they've um it's invested a portion of itself with throughout my physiology like within my throat cavity and i'm breathing and breathing and then it it's slowly either constricting my windpipe or it's within my windpipe and slowly stymieing my capacity to breathe and it builds it's like going over minutes and it's like your ability to breathe is becoming less and less and you try not to panic and you know panicking a human being it's not a pretty thing at all and you start to think that maybe you're gonna you're gonna die through misadventure with dmt you genuinely start to fear that this is going really badly wrong and you know what just at that moment when you, you're going to cave into panic and it's going to get really ugly, it goes and you can breathe and you're like, but then you realize it's sort of taking you to to the edge of your fear, your panic, and then it's just gone, left you and you're all alone. And like I say, with if, the, if those had been my first experiences, I would have never gone back. But, you know, to continue my research after that, you've kind of got to like, put your thumbs up and say, yep, you got me real good, but I'll be back. Yes. And scorecard. Yeah. Not, not, not easy after that. Yeah. Not easy. But I, I found, I found that after those kind of experiences where they're testing your resolve, the next few experiences will be all kind of like amazing. You know, you come out of the experience and I come down to see my wife and I'd say, Oh my God. That stuff is unbelievable. It's amazing, you know, because you've had such a good experience. But as Darren was saying, you know, going back to it, even after it's been amazing, I don't know, it's like walking to your own funeral, you know, it's just scary. Well, that's an interesting way to put it because, I mean, that's the other way I've described it to people is it's like, just like imagine getting shot in the face with a shotgun from like two feet away. And then just like whatever yeah. happens after that, that's probably pretty close yeah. to what, what it feels like. So you mentioned that, that you didn't think it was really the spiritual realm or that you're going to that spiritual realm, but having spent so much time in that hypnagogic state as a kid and, and actually having like 
out of body experiences as a as a youngster do you think that, that that colors your perception of the experience or how do how do you think that affects like that experience that a lot of people might try but it might be hard for people to like you seem like you're already a step ahead of a lot of people that are that are trying to explore these realms you know I, I mean, it's a good question because I think those childhood experiences, which, which included, you know, not not a great number, but a few classic out-of-body experiences and, and sensing a presence within a room when my parents would leave me alone, I think they, they, they just convinced me that there was there's something that somebody's not telling me. And, I mean, my story can be summed up very clearly, you know, um, from that, there's something that somebody's not telling me. And DMT showed me that that I was right. There is something that somebody wasn't telling me. There's a there's a there's another dimension peopled with with entities. entities yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you notice any correlation with um, how many, how often you were getting a breakthrough experience and some of your negative experiences? Because I, I have a friend that actually had an experience that was like where he crossed through like you know most three or four times in a day. And by the end, he felt like the entities were like, listen, man, you're done. Don't come back. He said it was like very apparent not to fucking come back for a while. Now, that's uh, that's a a good question. So, again, as I said, the change that there was a significant change over time. And I was getting these visual experiences and they were all really, really good. And I found that. Uh, they were repeating themselves a few times. So I, I did people say, you know, oh, it's, it's always a different experience. And I, I'd had this experience on the top of the stairs and, you know, looks like you're in another place as human-like entities. I mean, it's just more fun than you can imagine. And then next day, come back from work, hit the pipe. Same again. Next day, come back from work, hit the pipe. And it's same again. It's like a thematic experience. And as a consequence of that, I stupidly thought, maybe I've seen all that DMT can show me. And that was a silly thing to think. And then the next day smoked DMT and it was just, it, it was just so different. It, it, that's when the invasive experience has begun, you know? And, and I mean, that is like the energy it imposes upon you. It's just off the scale. It seems to, 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 be able to get inside you. It just seems to have to impose that tremendous frequency and intensity of energy. And then you can feel it's it's invested a portion of itself throughout your throat. And you talk and your voice sounds so different, so much so that you feel obliged to cry out again and again just to hear your voice. But the first things I was saying was, you can't do that. You can't do that. Because it was clearly operating inside me. And I mean, after that experience, I just burst into tears. I mean, just just cried out and came downstairs and laid on the sofa. And again, I just burst into tears because it was so obvious that it had operated within me invasively. The experience was amazing and magic, but the shock of it doing that, that was off the scale. And then you were saying about your friend where they said, like, you know, enough. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, I'd had some... MDMA on New Year's Eve, you know, um, children had gone to bed, wife had gone to bed, and I had some really, like, relative, pretty pure good MDMA. And I, you know, I had a night on MDMA, and then I sort of got the DMT out, and I was just binging on it. And, you know, it was just magical, you know, the 
smoking it the entity comes it's just showing you things or it's engaging with you and it was just so much fun but i was getting more and more tired and in the end it was like just like they weren't playing you know it's like you've had enough you know don't push it too far otherwise we'll give you a psychic slap and i say okay that's that's it then bedtime were you dancing with them this time a little bit or no i wasn't <laughs> i was acting i was i Dare I say, You're I was tapping like, your foot like flirting, you know, I mean, I don't even want to say what I was doing, but it was like, it got daft and camp and flirtatious. Oh, boy. Uh, I really, <laughs> I'm getting into uncomfortable grounds here, but I mean, it was just glorious. But then it was like, I kept taking it further and further and they were like, Come on, you're a human, you know, call it a day. Okay, so do you know who they are, where they are, where this is? Any idea? I am trying to work that out. I am sticking my head back in the esoteric and occult books I've read. I'm looking into esoteric and occult books, and I'm trying to work out who they are, where they operate from. I suspect they operate from a plane of divinity or semi-divinity. I say that because it seems clear to me that they have a complete working knowledge of the human psyche and human physiology with the experiences I've had. So I don't know if, if, if they're the divas, I've been looking into the divas, but that's such a broad and wide expanse. I don't know if, it, if they're angels. I don't know if they're demons in the sense of the ancient world, meaning demons rather than in terms of what the uh, Judaic religions mean by demons, a sort of ghoulish monstrous in, you know, beings. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work that out. I really am. That's another, uh, when you mentioned the burst into tears, I mean, that's, I was on the cusp of bursting into tears when, you know, at some point in that regeneration, that was like, like I was on the cusp and it wasn't, I, I don't know why, but it was just mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it was, I could feel that I was very close to, to bursting mm-hmm. into tears for whatever reason. I had a, a net positive experience. So, yeah, I was going to ask you about why you named it uh, your occult mind. Like why, how, do, how does the occult come into your, analysis and your experiences with this so by i for me it was really important to include a cult in the title with dmt because ultimately i think i think the mystery the heart of the dmt experience will favor an occult interpretation so a cult in its slight sense and i'm only using it in its slight sense means hidden yeah so I have a mind. I can't see it. Yeah. I, I smoke DMT and my psycho-spiritual constitution, I've seen it amplify like a hemispheric bubble filling the sky. I've seen it project out of me as um, a super dense, geometrically composed, swirling torrent. I mean, spiraling out of me. And, and that it does that while I'm, I'm in a lucid frame of mind in my garden in daylight hours. And in such a frame of mind that I could converse with somebody and seeing so much of my otherwise hidden constitution come out of me, that's why. And that these entities are there, I believe they're ever-present. I, I don't know what they're doing when they're not engaging with DMT researchers. I guess they're revolving along their own spiritual path, whatever. But yeah, I think an occult interpretation will ultimately prove the most valid. Yeah, they could be messing with the lucid dreamers while they're on break. Well, that's the interesting thing about the non-breakthrough doses is all of a sudden, because it's in, when you say that, because if I would have stopped after that first two 
I probably could have, I, you know, I was lucid until I was dead. I mm. was pretty lucid. Mm. Um, so I feel like if I would have stopped after that first toot, I would have got all the visuals and all that, mm. but mm -hmm. I would have been very cognizant throughout the whole thing. Mm. So I think, you know, there is something to those non breakthrough levels that makes the, the space a little more navigable kind of mm. like, so have you done ayahuasca? Yeah, I did. Um, I did my second retreat, um, about three weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I've been to two retreats and the first retreat was like three nights of medicine and, uh, three weeks ago it was like two nights of medicine. And, uh, that was with, um, it was in the UK, but that was with, uh, a, a, a shaman from the, yeah, I'm from Brazil. Um, Shana Ikaru, and that was just incredible. I mean, those songs, I mean, his medicine was strong. Those songs, I mean, let me put it out there because there's people speak to me and say, Oh, I like you know, I'm smoking DMT, but I'm not going to do ayahuasca because I don't like the purge. And I was exactly the same. I tell you what, I love ayahuasca, I totally buy into all that the Amazonian ceremony, the traditional Icaro songs. The purging is nothing. But the experience, wow, that is something else. You notice the difference with that them holding your space and with them guiding you through it? You mean the, the shaman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, those songs. I mean, these songs are thousands of years old, and it's so clear that they have been influenced by that that the DMT realm, that DMT experience. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but some of those songs you start to tune into them and you start to listen to it and you're thinking man i'm gonna have to puke and it's like the music is like forcing you it's like it's somehow forcing that situation and you're like oh i'm gonna have to puke and you, you know you got a bucket you got a toilet rolling like ah then you feel great afterwards but those songs man there's something deeply deeply magical about them wow so how, how would you, how does that equate to the DMT experience, to the breakthrough DMT experience? So with, so, you know, with the Oscar experience, it's a breakthrough experience, you know, I mean, it imposed upon me, the visions were hyper lucid, hyper vivid, but as an experience, I think you, you probably get more out of the ayahuasca experience in terms of working on yourself on a personal level or being worked on on a personal level i mean the last night i mean the first night in my most recent retreat was strong but the second night was intense and you know you kind of invited to face your own soul i mean nobody's forcing you to do it but they do it in such a subliminally clever and subtle way it's like you want to face your own soul or you just want to see all this kind of like you know, like feel like you've won the lottery all night. You know, we can show you this all night, but like, you know, it's like a, it was like a machine, or like a pinball machine, like a pinball machine, and it's like sparkles and champagne, everything. But the attendant's there, and he's like, oh, he's like, we can do this all night if you like, but really, he's like, come on, and it's like, let's go next door. Like, what well, was next door? It's like, oh, it's the horror house. So like I accepted this invite to face my own soul and Jesus man it was is brutal it's, it's brutal but brutally beneficial you know I, the aspects of my life that I probably need to work on that I'm not proud of but I practice and yeah I don't think you get that so much from the 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 DMT experience smoked but what I will say is 
I believe that through smoke DMT, especially in an outdoor setting, it's much easier to appreciate that these are entities that are interacting. It's an entity that's interacting with you. I think it's much easier to come to that conclusion through smoke DMT. I'll try outside in the spring. Because we're in a, yeah. it's fucking winter. Listen, I, I, one of my favorites with trying I wake DMT up froze to death. Outside, not, not, not even breakthrough doses is smoking it. And, like, you know, you, you're looking up at the sky, your, your psycho-spiritual constitutions filling the local sky, and then your eyes are drawn, and you, I've seen black orb UFOs, I've seen what UFOlogists would call earth lights, I've seen strange-coloured things, and look, I've even been able to sort of get up and say to my family, come out and look at that, and that really fascinates me, that, because... You know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to engage with some ufologists on Twitter, and I don't know. I think there's overlaps between that sort of UFO mystery enigma, uh, DMT mystery enigma. I think there are. I think, as I say, I think an occult interpretation will ultimately prove the most informative and valid for these mysterious aspects of life on Earth. Yeah, well, consciousness is the you know a big part of both those mysteries, and. That could be the spot where they overlap, really. Mm. You know, you might have more of a direct line to the, you know, the stuff that we go out and try for hours meditating on UFOs, and you just go out there and boom, you've got the direct. Uh, I mean, you know, if you're a ufologist and you're like fascinated by that, and and I'm saying that, you know, with a, a sub breakthrough dose in an outdoor setting, not not always, but, but many often, times, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing like, you know, it's like, come on, you yeah, know, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so what yeah. about truths? Like, what about you know overall truths? Like, have you been in, endowed with you know like uh, truths about sacred geometry or shapes or symbolism or any kind of like? Do you have any sense of like real a different reality that might be so many deeper truths? Do you have numbers for Friday's Lotto Max? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, I I've not experienced that. I mean, you know, I've 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 heard of vids on YouTube where people say, you know, they had an experience and they were given like, I don't know, 15 volumes of esoteric information and it's somewhere within the mind, but they just can't bring it out. No, I, I, I've not had that. I'm not going to pretend I have when I haven't. It's not yeah. been like that for me. Yeah. I think that the truth for me, as I said, is, is it's been irrefutable evidence to my subjective perception that that suspicion of an, another that's hidden from us is genuinely there. That's the big truth that I've taken from it. That's personally, I don't know, giving me a lot of personal satisfaction because it kind of like, you know, I, I think back to my child and I think, yeah, I knew I was right. I knew I was right. Yeah. Yeah. What about, uh, what about the meditating prior or any, any different types of practice uh, manifestation, well, like any kind of work, like using it for work like that at all? No, I mean, to begin with, when when the fear started to sort of manifest before before smoking DMT, uh, I was, I was, you know, I mean, I, mean I, I buy into the occult philosophy, so I don't follow any one particular religion, but I find my, I find myself praying to my God, everybody, like, you know, Moses, Jesus, Buddha, Mom, everybody. I was like, please, please give me safe, please make me, enable me to pick up this pipe. But then I realized that, you know what, 
it's your own willpower. It's an internal battle with yourself and, and making appeals to religious icons. They aren't going to, ain't, that ain't going to help me. It's my own willpower. So I, once I kind of like established that, that helped. And then I, I found that what really helped was remaining emotionless. And I mean, I don't just mean before the experience, but as as much as you can within the experience, which is sometimes difficult because it's so overwhelmingly amazing, but trying to remain emotionless. And then after the experience, again, trying to remain emotional, like a hard-nosed scientist, you know, just remain emotionless, observe, perceive, remember everything, you're going to write it down. And, and I realized that remaining emotionless before, during, and after the experience was really beneficial, really beneficial, but not always easy. Yeah, no, no doubt. And you haven't studied Buddhism that much? No, I mean I've read about it in occult in the occult books that I read, but I wouldn't say I'm a I wouldn't say I'm a, an expert on any one particular religion. No. Yeah, a lot of this is like the things that the Buddha had discovered himself through his meditation. Oh, really? And when they say yeah. that people who meditate a lot, they have a lot more of this naturally in their system, and that you just kind of get toward that state, and that's like the yeah. Brahmic the Brahmic realms. And yes. then, and then above that is the Buddhic realms, which is like a for the mass consciousness of the planet. It would be like a uh, psychic, uh, like the stratosphere. It's just a level that's around yeah. that holds certain thought forms and ideas, and constantly are placing like positive light and energy to all the other beings that are on the planet. And so then, yes. yeah. Yeah, and so then you want to try and incorporate that into every moment of your life and then put that out as well so that you're doing that on the surface of the planet. You know, that's kind of the idea of meta. being of meta, of you know, yes. loving kindness and compassion for all living beings. I, I believe and so a lot of what you're talking about you can yeah. get by meditating the the teachings that the Buddha discovered, basically. Yeah. Huh? I believe that's that's where we're headed, evolutionarily speaking. You know, it's uh, over many eons. I hopefully yeah. I have tried meditation. I can see the, I know I I can see the advantages. I I believe in it thoroughly. I just as um as a busy parent, full time job, marketing my book. It's and I know it's just twenty no, minutes. No, hundred percent. I hear you. Struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I struggle if to can, make that time. If you can take two weeks and really buckle down and learn the teaching, then you can practice it on your own anytime you want for the rest of your life. You just need mm -hmm. to dedicate an uh, an initial two weeks to it to learn mm -hmm. the practice. But yeah, okay. what about your dreams? Did they change at all, or have they have they evolved over time? Or is there any connect yeah. connection through through that, like lucid dreaming changes yeah. or anything like that? You know, I, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I don't keep a dream journal, but I, after I first started smoking DMT, it became apparent that there were some dreams that really stood out and 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 felt like there was something there that was interacting with me, much like a a light DMT experience, so to speak. And I, I, I would write those experiences down thinking I might include them in a future literary project. I doubt I will. 
But yeah, I, um, there seems to be occasional dreams where I'm convinced that they're so highly defined, so lucid, and seems to be some kind of personal message there that I think, you know what, I think mostly my dreams and my subconscious mind working under its own steam, but there are occasions where it's like something's mixing it up in my mind, you know, something's interacting with me. So, and, and you know what, and going back to my childhood, there were times where I could feel something imposing upon me and I could feel if I don't wake up, I'm going to suffer a nightmare. I'm going to suffer a really bad dream and I'd be trying to wake up. And if I woke up, I could maybe spoil that, you know, and I might get a good night's sleep. And then if I didn't wake up, then, yeah, you know, young child suffering a nightmare. But I always felt there was something imposing that upon me. Yeah, I heard you talking about that on a couple other shows, and it really made me think mm. about how the, how I feel like there's different levels of dreams. Like some of the dreams that I have are more more intense or more memorable or more meaningful or more or more mm. of like a long-term adventure, and then some other ones are just sort of like low-level flicking in and mm. out. And I think there are different different levels and different interactions uh, depending on what's going on. I mean, maybe we are like, a, like you said, like DMT light. You know, maybe there's some of those dreams where you are kind of in that realm with those entities, but other ones you're not. I don't know. Mm. We have a question from the chats before we wrap it up. Uh, how long does DMT last after it's made? Ooh, that's a good question. Do you know what? Let me start by saying I see on social media people extracting DMT, and they've got like a jam jar full of DMT. And I'm like, what? Because I, I would, see, I would always try and, make small batches so i was using fresh dmt so i'd have a wrap in the fridge and i and i I would package it in such a way that the oxygen was meager it wasn't exposed to light it wasn't exposed to dark you know it it was in a coffee and i found that you know if i was in that every day after two or three weeks i could tell its potency was diminishing and this is just a small wrap of dmt so i see these people with big jam jars full of DMT. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you know, it's like you're keeping that in a jar. There's oxygen already in there. That's going to start to lose its potency after a few weeks. That's my experience of it. That said, even when DMT has lost some of its potency, it's still a force to be reckoned with. It really is. But there's a, you know, you get when you, when it's fresh and you get that strong tryptamine smell, then it's potent. Once that smell starts to diminish, then the potency seems to diminish. But I've smoked it when it's it's lost a lot of its potency and it's still a force to be reckoned with. Oh, interesting. Just throw more. And I, I have big jam jars of DMT. Just throw I a little still more like... in there. <laughs> What's the process like? Can you run us through your process? You mean the extraction process? Yeah. So I, I started with the STB, the straight to base process which does use a couple of pretty aggressive chemicals that's caustic soda and naphtha and I, you know i know some people kind of like shy away from that because of the aggressiveness or danger of those chemicals and i know there are other methods but i've just stuck with what i know i i, I just want the product i'm not really an, an aficionado of how to get the dmt out of the back i just I, I just want the dmt out of the back so i can explore hidden nature that's my thing out of the out of the bark, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah out yeah, the yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I've always had access to mimosa, hostilis root bark. I've never, if I, if I set my stall out and tried to purchase some acacia root bark, I probably could, but I've just found 
you know, my suppliers have always had Mimosa and I, I've been happy with that and, and the products I've extracted from that. Yeah. So what's the difference between your second book and your first book? Oh, right. The second book is awesome. And the first book has now been retired. So, <laughs> you see, you see the, the thing is, I'm just like on my own here. So I have got no copywriter, no editor. I was lucky to have a family member that was able to proofread it and point out the mistakes. But the first book was, there was just far too much waffle in there. And it took me, you know, I had to publish it and get some feedback, most of it being positive. But some people have rightly said, you know, a little bit rambling, a little bit too much waffle. And I think, you know what, that's right. And I wouldn't want people to buy the first book and be put off buying the second book. Yeah, so yeah. the first book's been retired. It will be reissued as a light version a re a, and much, much reduced. But the second book, I'm just going to put it out there. Honestly, it's awesome. I, I just can't see that I would retire that. I think the entities and I have produced, I, I don't know, I, really something really special. Nice. And what about a third book? Still plans for a third book? I know originally that was yeah. the plan, I think. That that's the plan that in that title there will be I hope DMT and my occult mind three. That said, that's going to enable that's going to require me to to go deeper than I have been before to go further, and those <laughs> words are easy easy coming from the mouth. But you know what? To sit down with the pipe again and load it up to like a hundred mg like Darren did. I mean that's going to take some doing. But well, I'm, I'm Darren, Darren doesn't know how many mgs he <laughs> Yeah, I'm hoping I could be a hero. Having a bunch, of, I have a ton of, ex quite a bit of experience with like mushrooms and LSD in the past and stuff like that. So I was never super scared, but I'm more, mm. I'm almost more apprehensive after doing it than I was the mm. first time. The, the, I was more apprehensive the first time because of my, well, probably because my ego knew what the fuck was going to happen. And, mm. but it was more like I always had an excuse for some sort of outside condition in my life. It was like, uh, you know, well, this is bugging me, so that's going to trigger up. And, uh, yeah, I think now at this point I would say it doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't know that that really would matter where you're at in life. I mean, maybe it does. I can't say that because, you know, like my where I was wasn't, wasn't, you know, that bad compared to where some people get. But mm. – um, I don't know when the set and setting is somewhere in my opinion, deep inside your subconscious, it doesn't matter where the fuck you are. I mean, in Strassman's mm. experience, people are having profound mystical experiences lying in a hospital gurney with beeps and broops and hooked up to machines and everything else. So, so yeah. going into that, I think your set and setting is more where you're at up here and your mm. mindset than anything else. And if you get that in the right spot heading in, then I, I think you'll be fine. And just that, I mean, if I give anyone some advice, it's just, you're going to be okay. And you just got to let go. Because I really feel like if Jason wouldn't have been there, I could have got caught in that loop there and it could have went mm. real fucking bad for me. You know, it could have mm. been like a very different 10 minutes. Mm. Right on. Well, what, uh, just before we go, there's so much occult and esoteric literature out there. What are some of your favorites that you're reading right now? As far um, as like researchers or authors or books or yeah, any come to mind? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to catch up with the kind of like um, psychedelic literature. So at the moment I'm, uh, I'm reading, um, Oh, Peter, I, do you know what? 
the popular panpsychist philosopher Peter Schrodet H, and I can't okay. pronounce his name, but yeah, um, uh, Numa. I can't think of the title, but I'm getting my head around that. But in terms of esoteric and occult literature, the Secret Doctrine was a huge and remains a huge influence on my on my thinking. On on it really shaped my mind. The questions I had since being a young child those two volumes of the secret doctrine just answered so many questions for me and really big influence on me. Nice. I found that in a used bookstore for like 20 bucks a few months. Back. Really? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not an easy read and it's no. not something cover, cover okay, I've got that. I've read it so many yeah. times and yeah. I'll read it many times again. Yeah. Really? I've been eyeballing that one for a while now. There you go. So I should dip into it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, dip in it. Yeah. A sec second volume in particular. Yeah. The second the one. Volume, the second volume, Anthropogenesis. Okay. All right. All right. right on. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, if you ever come to Canada, look me up, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll cross was, over I together. Like, in summer, whereabouts are you based? Calgary. Oh, okay. I was in Toronto. But you know what? I'll be yeah, Toronto. That might as well be another fucking planet. Um, All right. But we'll be in the UK, I think, in 2021. It'll probably happen. Hey, maybe we could yeah. add, maybe we could add you to our one of our conferences. We'll have a little back room. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, for sure, man. Look me up. That'd be sweet. Right on. All right. Thanks all a lot. Right. We'll link. We'll link to your new book in the show notes and all that. And we'll, uh, yeah. Good luck with that. Thank you very much for Thank staying up you. late. What's your Twitter? Well, that's nice. What's your Twitter? Uh, DMT underscore researcher. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you very much. Okay, Dick, get some sleep. Happy All trails. All right, best, guys. Right. Yeah. Cheers. Bye. That was a chat with uh, Dick Khan, the UFO researcher. That was good. Uh, DMT. DMT researcher. Maybe UFOs, and too. UFO, yeah, yeah, Maybe both. He's trying to get into UFOs. Sounded like that's a tough. Yeah, it's a tough. It's a tough. Group, man. There's, there's, already, there's already there's enough infighting. The UFO there's people are real clicky. Infighting yeah. in there already. <laughs> yeah. You know, fighting over good versus bad and all that stuff. I wonder when he was talking about that, if it just like increases the frame rate that you can comprehend, yeah. you know, so or decreases. You can see through the veil well, or something, It increases right? the rate that you can take in, take take in, in that, and yeah. comprehend, yeah. Or maybe it decreases it so much that you're seeing the utility workers working on the Matrix. Yeah, like, like, like when you're fixing watching, some yeah, bulbs, like, changing right. some bulbs out. <laughs> you're, you think you're trying to talk to you, they're like, go away. Got to yeah. fix reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that was a great chat. So there you go, a little teaser for contact at the cabin, UK. It's coming, maybe twenty twenty. Yeah, we should do it. We're gonna have to in the do castle. It. Contact at the castle. Let's get that right right off the bat. That's right. It'll be in a castle for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, we'll be in Scotland someplace. Oh, I love it. I'll, I'll, castle I mean, hunting. Out it's there UK. Once. We can go anywhere we want. Yeah. Everybody's a half an hour. I got a citizenship. I'm a, I'm a citizen. Are you? Yeah. What? Got my citizen card. My so UK you could marry me in. I don't have a passport. I've, I've got my citizenship. Get your passport so Maybe I could work there. Citizenship of what? UK. Really? Yeah. Do you think we get any tax breaks? My mom, my mom was uh, born in Skipton, and I was able to get it through that. Nice. Yeah. Huh. That was for when I, when I went to play ball hockey for, in the World Series. Uh, in the Team Prague? UK, yeah. yeah. Oh, for That's Team UK? <clears throat> Team this UK. last time, was that for Team UK? No, no, no. no, no I was no, going to no, say, you didn't Canada, mention that. No, 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 you were playing for no, your old alma mater. No. The country. <clears throat> Basically, it was a bunch of us guys from BC. Let's, 
bunch of us guys with relatives in the UK that we just made a team up. It wasn't, you know, anything special. And you're a bunch of ringers because right, everybody tech. in the UK sucks at ball hockey. <laughs> Probably. I mean, sorry. I hate to, <laughs> they like, do. I hate to they generalize do. 65 <laughs> million people, but... <laughs> Um, I mean, they, we get it all the time in Canada. Everyone can skate. Everyone can ski. Yeah. For the most part, football. For the most part, that's true, but. Soccer. Uh, support the show. America.ca slash support. Uh, please. Because we love you and we need support because it's getting cold as a motherfucker. Uh, it's going to be cold this winter. We need some heat. <laughs> it's going to be cold? How do you know? Because that's the prediction. it's been like minus fucking 25 already. Well, it's has- global warming now. Isn't it global warming? Don't get it's don't not. don't get them started. No. Don't get them started in an outro. We'll be here for a half an hour. Well, I keep waiting. I keep buying just shorts on sale. Oh, it's brutal. I know the winters are longer and colder. I mean, I, I keep don't know buying what the mo- fuck they're talking about. I keep buying more heated gear. People are burning up. I keep saying it though. Maybe if we keep thinking it, it'll actually happen. Saying what? Warming. Warming. Oh, so maybe that's what they're up to. Yeah. Maybe they're like, listen, to this motherfucker's going to freeze. We need to convince these people that it's, that it's warming yeah. so that we can change the simulation to warming. Yeah. yeah. And we're the fucking assholes that are fucking it up. Yeah. Hold them back. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. to this green brown blue spot on earth approximately or two thousand years in old domini in old domini my hot drink would turn cold my hot drink would turn cold my hot drink would turn cold
and honey, milk and honey. To be or not to be, that is the question, baby. Woke up this morning, and all my blues was dead and gone.